0: Chao, What's a shot.
1: Aging Chilean playmaker is make weight and deal to bring massive playmaking star from Manchester United to Arsenal. This is the Arsenal Vision post match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. We've uh, offloaded an aging winger and in return brought in a massive superstar playmaker to carry Arsenal to the next tier of success. We will discuss that with our panel today. Uh, Tim could not make it. He is writing a column, uh, which presumably our uh, ideas derived from whatever this podcast is going to be about. But Paul is here. You can find him on Twitter at pausing my pants. Hello, pause. Woohoo! hoo uh, uh, Clive is here. You can find him on Twitter at ClivePAFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, Luke. My name is, of course, Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Gunner. Give us a five-star review and write nasty things about Tim. He is uh, going to have to start showing up for this podcast if he does not want to have tons of nasty things written about him, and I am sure that that is uh, his every waking thought. In any event, we're going to talk about the 4-1 victory. It was brilliant, uh, at least the first half anyway, and there's a lot of good stuff to get to, but we don't want to bury the lead, and the lead is, of course, Alexis Sanchez is now a Manchester United player. But the really important news is that uh, Hendrik Mkhitaryan is now an Arsenal player. And, Paul, it is um, it is an interesting one. I mean, I think the fan base collectively, and I certainly do not speak for the fan base, but I think just gauging social media and the articles I'm reading are trying to view this through the lens of being a best-case scenario. So just from a very top 30,000 foot view how do you see this in terms of uh, benefits and drawbacks for the club
2: sure well I'm a bit of a fool for love so like the new guy I'm always super excited about him so I, I do think I mean we don't know what way this is going we don't know which Mikatarian we're going to get I, I genuinely believe we won't get that United version um, for obvious reasons I think we can all work out different system different manager more of a chance given I mean as as was pointed out the the dude only started one game before basically the end of December in his first season with them so not exactly you know you have some issues when arson's a little slow to introduce chaka to the starting lineup imagine how you would have done your head in over at United waiting from him to show up till December so um
1: yeah that was a head scratcher
2: yeah <laughs> Uh, which I mean talk about a guy who's been a make weight in a couple of deals you know it very much feels like he came in on the back of, of the Pogba deal as a hey you can have one of these for free as you grab a, a feckin vase I of think that's bizarre. called a,
1: a Mina Riola Mino Riola five finger discount
2: yeah yeah <laughs> So uh, we seem to have found a way to deal with him without dealing with him through United, which is all good. Um, but, I, I mean, you look at the profile of the guy and you, you you wonder if he can come anywhere close to what he did in his best year or years at Dortmund. You know, we have a real player on our hands. Um, there's a disadvantage to his age and there's an an advantage. Given that we're losing Alexis and... Well, we've lost Alexis, and that Ozil, you know, if I had to put my chip somewhere, I think he'll go in the summer. We can afford to get in somebody who's basically, well, what's he now, 29. Um, He's 28 until
1: he's 29, Paul.
2: Yeah, uh, and that's like basically today, isn't it? <laughs> Happy funny. birthday to him, or yesterday. So... Age profile, I think he's appropriate, actually, for what we need. We need, we need a guy who's a player in that position. Um, you know, I want to be sensitive to you, Elliot, on the, the Sanchez thing. I know how closely and how dearly you held that player to your heart.
1: I enjoyed uh, watching him. It turns out he was a really good footballer, and we're writing a lot of revisionist history right now. I mean, I can't tell you yeah. how many people have popped on Twitter to tell me that he hasn't been good at any point in his career. He hasn't been good for the last year. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people saying he hasn't been good this season. I think even that can be uh, called into question to some extent. But, yeah, I mean, I I don't understand why we can't just say what an extraordinary player Alexis was, and now I hope he fails miserably at United. Like Those yeah. those are not incompatible statements.
2: Yeah, and I want to be sensitive to you because I know the connection you had with the player, and I remember how gently you sent Francis Coughlin off
1: yeah, but nobody nobody really held him to grave. their bosom. <laughs> me, me. <laughs> I know. I'm still Well, you didn't have to TV see him rock up in a United yeah. kit, did you? I mean, he he, you know, he plays in the warm Spain. It's like we sent him to a farm upstate, Paul. Like he couldn't be, he couldn't be in a better spot.
2: Yeah, but you sodomized Francis in his coffin, and here I am supporting you on Alexis. <laughs> okay, fine, thanks. No, he look, he was great, uh, uh, and. Uh, And I'm with you on the Alexis stuff. If he did fall off towards the end of his tenure, uh, we started it. We didn't put the players around him. Um, It was going the way it was going, clearly, for some time. Uh, I think this, as somebody said, this is a great save. I think the swap for Mkhitaryan was as good as it's going to get in January. I think the genuine excitement there. I ran a poll. I think it's still running on Twitter. Most people put this as a 7 to 8, excitement-wise, out of 10. I'm a 9-10 to guy here. Yeah, look,
1: let me just say this. If you're not excited for Mkhitaryan coming to the club, you're a cunt. Because, like, what is the point of not being excited? What do you get from that? Like, he could absolutely suck shit, but, like you might as well get excited. What else do you have going on? Like, look, I I was as sad as anyone to see Alexis go, didn't want him to go, wasn't sure this was the right deal for us. I'm still not convinced it's the right deal for us. But if you're not going to try to get excited about it, you're doing this wrong. I mean, what's the harm in a player who was the player of the season in the Bundesliga coming to the club and, and, you know, at least giving yourself the benefit of the doubt that it might work out?
2: Yeah, if for no other reason, and I'll wrap up here on Mkhitaryan, Uh, he could be absolutely sensational. We don't know. If he hits the level he played before, he's thoroughly world-class. We don't know. So why not be excited?
1: Yeah, and I mean, look, it's... it's a chance for us to root for a player instead of rooting for cash. I mean, there's a lot of arguments that it would have been better to get 50 million pounds for Alexis than a Henrik Mkhitaryan. Having said that, 50 million pounds is not as fun to root for on Saturdays as a player. Clive, in terms of how this... And it would have been
2: 50 million in the summer. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. no, that's right. Um,
1: Clive, in terms of how this now impacts the way we're going to play, I mean, Mkhitaryan could be seen, if you want to be a cynic, as Ozil Insurance... Um, more than a replacement for Alexis, he has creative numbers that are not as good as as Ozil, but are similar in terms of what he can try to do. He has dribbling numbers actually that are similar to Alexis, which you know gives us that that burst and that ability to to not just pass our way through the defense, which you know sometimes we're a little guilty of trying even when it's not on. But in terms of how you expect to see us use him immediately, what are your thoughts of where he fits into our system?
3: He had loads of options, right? Because he's a flexible player. If you go back to the Dortmund year when he played under Tuchel, when he played in the front three of him, Aubameyang and Royce, him and Royce flip sides, but he played primarily on the right-hand side. And his numbers that year were unbelievable. I read something today where he had 23 goals 32 assists in 52 matches. That means he needs to be around like-minded, quick-footed, quick-passing individuals. right? So Manchester United, for example, they are a very fast-running, powerful team. But they move the ball very slowly. They're, They're quite lumpy. They play off mistakes. We all know Mourinho's philosophy. It's better to play off other people's mistakes rather than own the ball. And then they, they drop in a creative player like a Mata or a Mkhitaryan and say, you be our creative player. Well, to be creative, you need other people to do it with you. And we saw at the weekend, we saw four or five people moving the ball very quickly, and it looked very, very team-like in our sort of co- combination play. And, they, and then you bring Mikatarin into that. And so people are worried about if you're going to be a success or not and where he's going to play. The first thing I look for is, okay, what what's your... What's your level? What's your technical level? Where do you flourish? When do you best flourish? And he flourishes in a more of an Arsenal environment rather than a Manchester United environment where you are meant to be the one man to do all the creativity. So I, I'm really hopeful. And when, he, when we missed out on him before, I was quite disappointed because I think he suits our team. When you start to think about how we can use him, there's so many different ways, right? And this is just me projecting forward the pure guesswork. I mean, I I do like us on Twitter earlier. I do like a sort of a a four-two-two-two formation where you have two deep, you have two behind two strikers, and obviously him and azor I do see him as somebody to compliment azor rather than a replacement. But obviously, we, we none of us are too sure what's going to happen in that situation. But I like that sort of thought process. I also like him in the front three. Uh, I've, got a who, I've got a friend of mine who's a, an avid Manchester United watcher and they played him deep in midfield a few times and he did really, really well there in a sort of Cazola type role or dual number eight role. So we've just got a footballer that's also been in a Dortmund sort of formation and philosophy where you have to press. He's got sprinting speed, he's quick, he can carry the ball. He's got all the sort of skill sets that suit Arsenal right so I sort of don't worry about what he's gonna do what I'm more concerned about is think of finding the right mix quickly enough right and how's he gonna deploy him and how's he gonna support him and you talk about Alexis earlier on and one of the things that really disappointed me in some ways Alexis shone so brightly we should have sat back after after the first season and said, OK, we've got something special here. How are we going to support him? And not do the Peter Check summer, not do that. You know, We need to support them with the right-minded individuals that stop him being too good and stop him dominating our play. We didn't surround him with enough strong enough characters, so he became so ball dominant. But I think it's affected some of our team play. It hasn't affected his numbers but it's affected how some people feel about him fondly because they recognise that he was almost too important, almost too good. And I'm hoping with Mkhitaryan, we move back more to a, a balanced set of characters that want to share the ball, not be so ISO, but be much more... Golden State Warriors. Do you know what I mean? Not yeah. being Cleveland Cavaliers. With yeah, Curry all Irving, the, all the yeah, best players on one team. <laughs> that sounds great, Claude. Yeah, you, you thought of it. you know, you know what I mean <laughs> I about do. Yes, how yes. they play. They share the ball. They move the ball. There's a philosophy there that we're all as important as each other. We can all get our all get our shots and all get our points. I wanna. I'd never seen a an individualist team win things consistently over a league. You need. Players that are team orientated, and I'm hopeful that time will join us in that sort of our yeah. mindset.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think there's some revisionism only because, like, look, this is a player who's helping us win the FA Cup, you know, eight months ago, whatever it was, and really putting in nearly a man of the match performance and doing so. Um, our, our leading goal scorer since he's arrived at the club for the most part, and. You know, a guy who can zip the ball around and play team-oriented football, I think what happens is you have a summer where he doesn't sign a contract, a season where we get off to an uneven start, um, some performances where he gave the ball away too much and wasn't hitting the high notes, and suddenly you have the perfect recipe to pour all of your frustrations and anger into him and rewrite history about who he was as a player and what he did for the team. Having said that, I mean, we were late to get him the striker he probably should have been playing with. I think when Lacazette, Ozo, and Alexis played together in the front three, mostly we saw the budding relationship of a, a brilliant trio. Yeah. We didn't get to see it enough. We were late to get that striker into the team, both for Ozo and Alexis. We were late to get the midfield sorted out. Shaka proved to not be maybe the buy that we needed. Um, you know, obviously there's a summer where we bought no outfield players. You know, I think what we tried to do with Oxley chamberlain complicated things. So there was a lot of squad building around Ozone-Alexis that was muddied, that was not clear of thought to uh, get the best out of it's, the best players we had in the slowed. squad. It was
3: too slow. Yeah, and it's it was too, too slow.
1: slow. I mean, you only have these guys for probably three seasons. You have to expect at the three-season point they may be off because they sign five-year deals, you know, when or four seasons. You know, when they go into the last year of the deal, you have to sell them if they haven't re-signed. So you've got about three seasons to surround them with what they need at most. And we, we didn't it's have ironic urgency.
2: that we laugh at Mourinho and his three year cycle. <laughs> Isn't this really?
1: Well, yeah, like it, it makes he, sense. Like,
2: yeah. There he is. By his second year, he's trying to win stuff. I mean, maybe he can't do it anymore, but you know, we're mocking him this year cause it's his second year and he's really not winning anything apart from the Europa league last year. Um, and hey, don't here we that. are. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are in the 3rd, 4th, you know, 5th year for Ozel, yeah. and we still have not put a team around them that we can validly say we we gave them what they needed around him around them to yeah. win the league.
1: Yeah, and so I mean there's been a lot of comments that have surrounded it. I mean Keon called him a mercenary. Robert Perez had a long interview in a Chilean newspaper, uh, Sports Witness has it if you uh, and translated if you want to read it, um where he says you know, a lot of interesting things that he was at the training ground every day and Perez certainly was. And he says he never saw a problem. He saw a disciplined, hard worker. Um, He says that they wanted to stay ozone, Alexis, that they weren't surrounded properly. I mean, obviously I think that he's projecting there. We don't know that, but that, you know, the, the wages weren't the only issue. They wanted to win things. Um, You know, Alexis referenced in his going away letter, note, whatever you want to call it, that, you know, Terry Henry mentioned to him that he, he had to make, a choice, a hard choice to leave Arsenal at one time to, to win things at Barcelona. Um, Paul, I, I have a couple questions here. I mean, first of all, just as sort of a coda on the, the whole Alexis thing, how valid is it, do you think, to just slap the mercenary tag on him and write him off as the bad guy? I mean, look, we're all going to boo him at United. It's totally fine. He's the enemy now. I get it. It hurts to see our players rock up at these clubs. But, I mean, do you do you side with the Keown side more or the Perez side more?
2: Oh, look, it's utter bullshit. Um, it, it's all mixed up together. The best clubs pay the best money. Um, to me, there's no question that this was only about money. Um, he's very... there. There was, I think there was very clearly a time where Ozil and Alexis would have re-signed for us, and it looked like that was on the cards. I mean, word is from many sources, they were basically there uh in the lead up to the Bayern game. Now, any any world class player who plays at Arsenal isn't a whore for money because there's always there is always another club who will pay more.
1: Yeah, having said you that, mean- we get some of our players by paying more than the clubs they were at, right? I mean so we can't really ridicule that model.
2: <laughs> we can't ridicule a model and we all do it in our own lives, right? Uh we all have jobs... I- After you establish yourself, yourself, you're working for a company that you like, that pays you good money. And the two kind of have to go hand in hand. And it's just childish and immature to throw your toys around. When things don't go your way, a guy leaves your club. We didn't do our half of the deal. There is no way Wenger did not promise him that we were going to push on now and sign the players around him. That would take us to the next level. And categorically, we did not do it. So whether you believe uh, what I'm selling here, which is that Sanchez uh, is an ambitious player who also le- likes to get really well paid, or whether you believe he's a whore, you have to at least admit that we'll never get to find out because we didn't put the players around yeah, him. And, and that's on us.
1: That's what, and here's the only thing I find interesting, and and we'll move on from this. Um, people saying he's he's only doing it for money. If if he had ambition, he'd join City. That hits me weird because first of all, Manchester yeah. United is a much much bigger club than Manchester City. Secondly. He would have won a title as a passenger at City. I'm sure, look, I don't think United's going to win anything. But Alexis, I'm sure, backs himself to help United win things. And as much as that makes me want to throw up in my mouth, to say that joining the biggest club in England and arguably the biggest club in the world, if not the second or third, is not ambitious
2: and, and to become the man at United. Yeah. I mean, maybe he won't be, but right now it looks like he's the man and they're going to build around yeah. him.
1: It's weird and not to call City, that ambition.
2: <laughs> at City, does he start every game against ahead of Sané and Gabriel Jesus and Aguero and uh, Sterling on the other side? I mean, you might say, oh, well, you'll start ahead of Sterling, but Sterling's often on the other side. And secondly, Pep wouldn't even trade us Sterling. Uh, when he wanted Alexis in the summer. So uh, to think he starts ahead of any of those four every game, I mean, uh, Alexis must look at that and say, hmm, I don't know what, what my situation is going to be in six months, let alone 12 months. And to your point, what is it he would have won at City? He would have got a medal, but what would he have won?
1: Uh, yeah, I think a medal that was already coming you know, that, that might as well be mailed to them already. I look
3: I think he's a lot braver going to Man United. He's gonna yep. be under the scrutiny of the world at Manchester United. We are obsessed with Man City in the in the Premier League. The rest of the world looks at them and says they're just a money club backed by a country. They don't take them that seriously. They will do soon, but not yet.
1: They're like a mini PSG. You know, I mean, nobody nobody puts PSG in the same category as Real Madrid or Barcelona or Manchester United. and They've been in the wilderness for a while and I'm sure Alexis backs himself to get them back, as much as this makes me very, very nauseous. Look, one final thought.
2: One very upsetting thought is he's going to look good. He's going to look right at United. You know what I mean? He's going to pull on that number seven shirt. He's going to fit into Mourinho's (laughs) setup. They're going to play around him. And in six months' time, we're going to say, yeah, that looks right.
1: Yeah, it's gross. I mean, look, we couldn't keep (laughs) Alex Song at at Arsenal. Okay? He went to Barcelona. (laughs) Okay? I mean, the reality is unless you're paying top wages, players like Mesut Ozil and Alexis Sanchez aren't going to play Europa League football at Arsenal for second-tier wages. You're silly if you think they are. And, you know, Alexis Sanchez so, grew up in so Chile. He's not a boyhood Arsenal fan. This isn't Tony Adams we're talking about. Like, why we expect these players to love our club if the club doesn't give them the platform? And and again, yeah. Alexis isn't perfect. And I'm sure he was a, a jerk in the dressing room and all that. But, like, at the end of the day, it's done. We have Mkhitaryan. I think we move on from it. But I, I think... The thing that really sucks, I, I hated watching Van Persie at United. I hate seeing Fabregas at Chelsea. I'm going to hate seeing Alexis at United. It's not great seeing Oxlade-Chamberlain at Liverpool, even though I can't stand him and I don't rate him. I mean, at some point, I think what's happening is because the Premier League pays so much money, it's getting harder and harder to sell your one players abroad. You used to be able to say, all right, if we're going to sell them, we'll sell them to Barca or we'll sell them to Juve or we'll sell them to AC Milan. Or we'll sell but like, the Premier League pays the most money now and it's the league people want to be in. And so it's harder to sell your one-away stars overseas. And we may see Ozil playing for United next season. Vomit, nausea. I mean, Clive, is it is it really a pivotal moment for us now to kind of figure out how to how to get this right so this doesn't keep happening?
3: I think we 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 do need to make sure we have our own house in order and I think we're we're starting to do that. And um, we need to smarten up on how we do contracts. We need to make sure we have options or so we can control the next move and protect our assets. But we're stupid, right? So um, when when Alexis, when Alexis was not going to sign, we should have sold immediately. But we try to make them stay and say, we're the arse or you'll stay eventually until we end up losing money and, and reducing our future to options. So we're, we're stupid. But you know what? We have to... I can't sit here and say... And I've been saying it for years now that I want change and renewal in the squad. And I I want to move a lot of these players on because I don't think they're delivered. I think we give second contracts too easily. We don't hold them to a high enough standard. So I've been saying that for months, stroke years. So now we get to a point where we are changing. And I miss all the players you're talking about. I miss them. But I want new ones in. And And as a fan base, we've got to grow up about our players. I'll start looking back with sad eyes about how good they are and how good they used to be.
1: Well, part of that means being prepared to sell the players who you got. I mean, like Olivier Giroud, I get it. A lot of people love him and think he's useful. But, like, if you can move him on and bring in someone else, you have to. You have to do that. I I love Giroud.
3: I love Welbeck. I know exactly how good they can be. We've seen it. As soon as you can say that, it's time to go. Well, as simple as that. And we need to get somebody... Right now, we talk talking about Mkhitaryan. We're quite interested because we're not sure about him. We're not sure about his limits. A lot of the players that we have, we can see their limits. It's time to move. If you have any ambition, once you see a player with limits that no longer suit your ambitions or they shouldn't do, you have to move them. And as a fan base, we have to mature about this. We have to mature about this. And as a club, we have to mature about how we manage the contracts and how we control our assets. So when we move them on, we don't weaken our position, we strengthen our position and we upgrade accordingly. And that's what we need to do. Much more timely, much more business-like. And Why it hasn't happened, for many reasons, I think the immaturity of our board and the longevity of some of our backroom people that control these things. And let's be honest, we've got a manager that's wonderful man, a real players' manager, That's emotionally attached to certain people and he'd much rather work with them and make them better than look to upset some of them and move them on. And you could tell when he started speaking about Theo Walcott, he really would have liked him to stay. He likes the guy. He likes him
1: yeah but that shouldn't come say. into the con- that shouldn't come into the consideration right
3: <laughs> yeah it shouldn't come into consideration but this is where you are when you work somewhere too long you become emotionally invested maybe you need to be a bit more cold a bit more business-like and that's where we seem to be moving towards i'm not sure if it's a major doing it but who cares we seem to be moving with a touch more urgency Maybe what's the root cause for that? We can debate if it's it's real. And the real majoring sit's going to be in the summer. But I'm quietly excited about the urgency and almost the certainty and even the transparency about how we're moving for Mkhitaryan and stroke Obama Yang. I'm quite interested about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll do a little, 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 little bit on the squad building in just a second. And then we'll get to the actual football, which nobody wants to talk about. But, Paul, uh, with respect to Obama Yang, A player I have absolutely adored. Look, I came on this podcast and said we wouldn't get anyone, we wouldn't sell anybody. Some of that's protecting myself, and some of that is genuinely because I've seen us screw all this shit up in the past. But we did get the Alexis being wrong. No, no, none of it. None of that. I, I did. We did get the uh, the um, Alexis and Mkhitaryan deal over the line. We sold Coughlin. We sold Theo Walcott. I mean, business is moving along. Some things we had to do were happening. Aubameyang to me is still. A requirement for this window to feel even remotely successful without him I think we have gotten substantially worse and we can get into that if anybody wants to but I I don't see how losing Cocklin, Walcott and Alexis and bringing in Mkhitaryan who's two years removed from when he was playing well makes your squad better I, I think this is a two-for-one I think you need Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan to replace Alexis and then you could say you see a path to us being better so quickly do you see it happening and if it does happen how excited are you for it
2: uh, yeah I do see it happening uh, clearly we're going all out for it clearly it's been negotiated in earnest on all sides and fairly visibly um, and the, you know you got the hedge honchos together you got the, the the two two or three top BVB guys you got you don't have pictures of Ivan, Sven and whoever in uh, Dortmund, uh, and come back empty-handed. Or well, they, they went to Monaco and didn't
1: come back with Mbappe. But I take your point.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, you know Mbappe, and and the world and his wife after him. Still, at least they went from. But Fair uh, I mean, anyway, yeah. Th- th- yeah. there's no real sniffs of anybody else and Yang, So, um, Touchwood... Hope I haven't jinxed anything. So, yeah, you got to think it's likely it's, it, uh needs to happen.
1: You know, you know what it um, is? It's an acid test for, for what we've always been told, which is when the player wants to go, you can't keep him. Because Aubameyang has pretty much yeah. done the toys out of the pram, be disruptive, do everything in his power to get the move kind of thing. And so... I think this is a real acid test for that because it, it, if the move doesn't happen, it's sort of a repudiation of what we've always believed, which is when the player wants away, he goes. Um, I think Dortmund is in a position where they probably have to move him on, so that would be my encouraging thought. So, how much you want him? What's he? What does he? What does he allow us to do? Are we just basically flushing Lacazette down the toilet? How do you see this playing out?
2: Um, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows because what do you do with both of them when you have them? Do you do you? Yeah, you could play them both together, but that really changes. That could really throw off your balance because neither of them is is defensively focused. Um, you could play with the two up front, but we ha- we haven't really done that. The closest we've got to that is when we've used Theo from the right. Yes. You can make an argument for either one being central. You know, Obama Yang has played from the wing, but that wasn't his greatest look. Lacazette could kind of hover around the Alexis area and he's a, he's a demon in the box. But again, it creates issues and against, if you're not a fully balanced team, uh, the better teams will expose you. So I think we're just going to have to experiment our way there. Um, what we really have is two strikers to make sure one of them's firing. Uh, we maybe we haven't replaced replaced Alexis's goals by having another player, but what we have replaced uh, is we have an additional redundancy at striker. We have uh, we have uh, real striking talent and two different looks. Somebody who can come off the bench, assuming Giroud goes the other way or somewhere else. Um, So while we may not have, while Mkhitaryan may not be anything like the goal scorer Sanchez is, maybe Lacazette slash Aubameyang will create the goals from center forward at a much higher rate than we have in the first half of the year, uh, rather than trying to replicate it from another player in the Sanchez spot or an equivalent spot.
1: Well, I mean, that's really the thing, right? Mkhitaryan's dribbling in creativity and a little bit of end product, plus Aubameyang's yeah. incredible end product, equals greater than <laughs> greater than or equal to Alexis, right? So I think it, yeah. you need the two to replace the one. But if you get the two, you do a good job of replacing them. So a couple of things on this, Clive. I mean, first of all, how do you see him fitting in, assuming it happens, and uh, especially vis-a-vis Lacazette?
3: Yeah, I think Lacazette. Like what, what do we see here? Well, what have we got? And um, I think if you look back to the Manchester United performance, I thought he was very, very good that day. I thought he was very dominant, very physical. We worked incredibly hard, and, and it was very unlucky not to have a stellar day where he actually got us back into the game. But I think he's really challenged by the Premier League environment physically. I think he's lacking a little bit of physical confidence. I think he's finding to adapt. You know, adapting to the Premier League, challenging, right? So um, I'll speaking to Tim about this one. I, I really think Aubameyang is that dominant forward that we've missed since Van Persie. That player that says he plays for Arsenal, he is their centre forward. I don't feel Lacazette like is that player. I think he's a very good player. I see him as a, a secondary player. Yeah, I see Young as like a chief, And I see, you know, I I see Lacazette as like Tonto, right? I just, that's what I see. I see somebody who needs dominant people around him to steal the moment, steal the space, steal the movement, short distances, quick brain, Snapping shots, short back lift. He's not on a counter attack like he was at Lyon. He hasn't got a fakir bringing the ball to him from 30 yards away by dribbling. That's a shame. doing a five yard <laughs> pass. Um, he hasn't got that, so he has to find another way. And he is a very smart footballer, very intelligent. So, a for me says to everybody, I have to make adjustments for you because you are too quick. Too sharp in the box, you've got physicality, you can work off crosses, you can don't go down either side, and I've got to I've got to be on my toes for you. When we've got the ball in centre midfield, no pressure on the ball. I can't stand there square shouldered. I've got to be on the move. And so I with Lacazette, he's part of our a side team. And when we're on top like we're at the weekend, he's perfect for that. With a Yang, we can go anywhere with him. And and then we can really make people think. Yeah. I think as as a group As a fan group, the first thing we do when we get somebody like this, you say, "Oh, what's what's where? How's Ramsey going to fit in? How's Urso going to fit in? How's Mkhitaryan and Urso going to play together? Where's How's Jack going to fit in?" And we start doing formations. We're all too nice. We need to just say, "Well, you know what? This is what top-level football's about. If you don't cut it, you don't play." Fuck them. Simple as that. Fuck them. Manchester United have got Lingard, Rashford, uh, Martial. Lukaku, and they just spent over 130, 40 million pounds to invest into one player. Yeah, Manchester City were
1: trying for him too, and we know all the players they have as well. Yeah. Who can
3: take any one of their positions, and that's the way football is. Even down the leagues. Even my own son at academy, he'd have a great game. He'd play right back, and he'd be the top boy. He'd come to training the next week, and they'd be trialing another right back. They're saying to him, don't get too big for your boots on. Here is another right back come to go and take your spot. And you'd he ha- have to see him off. That's how football is. You bring people in and you have to adjust to them. And you have to step up. And we need to be much more ruthless, much more competitive. Create an environment where you need to step up. Look at Iwobi. Look at Iwobi since he got caught at the party. He has to stop sprinting. He's thinking, crikey, I don't want to lose what I've got here. I better start running, running about a bit. And he's running around like a, like a demon, right? That's what needs to happen. Step up the environment. Step up the standards. Step up the culture and say, you've got to do well to stay in this shirt rather than people queuing up to get out of the club. Yeah. And, that, and so I'm really pleased that a coming. And you know what? I don't give a shit about anybody. I don't care about Lacazette. I don't care about him. If he doesn't step up, then he doesn't play. The on, as the simple only,
1: as that. The only that was
3: one of
2: Clive's most arousing performances.
1: Yeah, I thought that was well said. Look, look, my my mm. only worry, my nightmare scenario, and if you, if you read Ars Blog or listen to the Ars Cast, uh, Lewis Ambrose did g- uh, good bits on both of those about Yang at Dortmund and and how he thrived and when he didn't thrive and what to expect from him. My nightmare scenario would be Abamyang on the wing. I think that would be yeah. A calamity. Can't do that. You Can't um, do that. The thing that's interesting is, I think that. You know the um, the thing about Lacazette that's impressed me is when he drops deep, his close control, his his passing, his touch around the box is better than I thought. I thought he was an Aubameyang type, and he's not. And I could see them linking very well. I could see him linking the play. Yep. I could see him being a support striker more than a fox in the box. And you know he can turn and finish. We saw that even at the weekend. But he likes to play the little flicks and can play with back to, to goal a little bit. So. I, I do hope they get a chance together. I would like to see Obama Yang as the true striker, but I think if we go back to our roots and more of a 4-3-3, the Lacazette can be a forward who drifts inside or drops deeper, um, as can Mkhitaryan. I mean, it doesn't give us a lot of width. And the fullbacks will have to use that, but yes, it makes us a little narrow, but I think it gives us a lot of really good uh, interplay on the edge of the box and guys who can finish. Paul, final thought on, on integrating these these uh, exciting pieces? No, Paul? No no final thought from you?
2: <laughs> Sorry, yes, Yeah. final thought. Oh, okay.
1: I mean, oh, look, God. if you don't have one, it'd be a first, but I'm the fine Lacazette. to move on because we're running late on time. We have a lot to get to.
2: Look, I think our best hope is the Lacazette option floating around to the edge, but I still think it's imperfect. I think uh, what we're, what this is going to force us to do, getting in the two Dortmund lads, is, you know, the three of the back is dead. He's going to have way too many attacking players that he can't play, and that he can't drop. Uh, he's going to have, hopefully, Wiltshire and Ramsey itching to get in. Uh, Elneny played a stormer. you got Chaka. He's going to have Awobi who, who played a stormer. And he's not going to want to kill. He's going to have Obamagang, Lacazette, Ozil, Mikatarian. So three of the, de- the back is, is dead. He's going to have to steal a centre-back spot further upfield. Um, and I just, you know... For all the we want to play Lacazette and Aubameyang combinations, he's got a shitload of other people he wants to play too. So,
1: yeah, okay, good point. I mean, he's gonna have look, to pick one and yeah. pick a balanced team, basically. Yeah, uh, and now a musical interlude. Um, so, look, I, I I'm gonna just monologue here, real real quick. So, I think there is an issue, and it is an issue of squad building versus enjoying the football. Because from a squad building standpoint, I think it is fair to be really really worried. We have a lot of very similar players in midfield. It looks like we're trying to lock Jack up to a contract. Ramsey, maybe. Shaq is here for a while. Ozo might be leaving. Alexis out the door. And it looks like we're replacing them with 29 year olds in, you know, or soon to be 29 year olds in Mikatarian and uh, Aubameyang. Two years from now, we could be sitting on big contracts for those guys, not getting what we need, not having any resale value for those assets, wondering. especially if we loan Giroud out instead of selling him, lots of guys on the wrong side of 30, making lots of money, no resale value, wondering how do we generate the revenue we need to start to rebuild a squad that has a lot of pieces that no longer excel at the top level or fit together. You could look into the future and see a future a year and a half from now where we still have Giroud, Aubameyang, Mkhitaryan, Jack, Ramsey, Shaka, Elneny, and those kind of guys and say, we have no one we can sell off for any value and... We need to rebuild, and it's scary. And that that may happen. It may be the problem for the next manager. It may be what Raúl and Sven are here to fix. We shall see. Um, but I think at some point, our job is to watch football and enjoy it. I really enjoyed watching Arsenal at the weekend, and we, so we'll talk about that uh, on this football podcast. Um, I enjoyed that. I will enjoy watching Mkhitaryan if he can do what he did at Dortmund, and I will absolutely enjoy watching obamiang i think the best is yet to come from lacazette and i look forward to seeing it i love watching ozil i may only have six more months of it to enjoy i will enjoy every second of it and i think while squad building is fun to talk about and squad building is important and it, it reflects on the future of the club since none of us can physically do anything about it unless ivan you're listening in which case call me um I think we should at some point just enjoy having good football players at the club and enjoy watching them and hope for good football because the rest of it is not in our hands. Um, so it's fun to discuss, but I'm sorry. 50 million pounds in the bank for Alexis might have been better for the long term, but a Mkhitaryan on the field is more fun to watch, and that's kind of where we're at. So you know, let's just hope we can enjoy some good football with some good football players for a while. We haven't always been treated to that over the past few years. Um, yeah, 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 and why not? I mean, that is after all, what attracted us? None of us fell in love with Arsenal because we were wondering what Vieira's resale value was or whether Thierry Henry would go before he hit 30 so we could reinvest that money in Adebayor. I mean, you know, that's not how we fell in love with this stuff. and Or, you know, going back, whether it was, you know, 89 at at Anfield, no one was thinking, wow, what an amazing title. Do you think we can get good money for Thomas? Like, you know. That's, that's not you I think, he,
3: I think we've, we've got wrapped up in the individual players so much and their feelings and their futures. Well, actually, what's a little bit encouraging is that we're starting to get a club back. We're starting to hire people that maybe potentially will put the club first. And I think. Need to get back to being a club, a football yeah. club, not an investment vehicle. As soon as we start to see that, and we act to a bit of urgency in all of our dealings around recruitment and sports science, etc., when we see that, we start to create something that people want to stay in. Yeah. And that's what we should be doing. And then those individuals will be asking to come to us and want to stay here. This is a model club. That's where we need to set our goals. That's where our, that's where we need to sort of. That's our mission. And when you start doing that, we won't be so hung up and dependent on certain individuals. And I include the manager in that because you're joining the club and the values by which it stands for. And that's what I'm looking forward to. That's what's exciting me at the moment. And I'm looking forward to seeing these new people and how they move our values on slightly while retaining what we all why we all support us in the first place. So uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited.
1: Yeah, the conversation changed. Look, when we moved to the Emirates and the austerity period and the banter era started or Project Youth or whatever you want to label it and the money came into Chelsea and then came into City, suddenly everybody became really obsessed with how to build a squad that can compete in an environment where we have less money and other teams have all the money and I get that and that became very important and it became very interesting and intellectually, it can feel like a puzzle at times but it's easy to forget that on a Saturday, what matters is who's on the pitch and and cheering them on and, and the joy you get from doing that. So... You know, I, I think it's all interesting, given that we're half an hour into a podcast or, you know, more more than that, into a podcast that uh, hasn't talked about the football yet. So, you know, touche. But let's do that. Here's what we'll do. We'll talk to Scott. We'll hear his take on, you guessed it, Mkhitaryan, Um And then we'll come back and we'll devote the uh, 10 minutes to a 4-1 victory that it deserves. So I'm here with Scott. Uh, You can find him on Twitter at O underscore that underscore Crab, and you can uh, read his stuff on CrabStats.blogspot.com and also on TheShortFuse.com. Scott is here to tell us a little bit about the Palace game, but mostly to determine whether Mickey is so fine. If he is so fine, he will blow our minds. Hey, Mickey. Uh, Scott, hello. Hello. So real quick, uh, just wrapping up the Palace game, um... From an XG standpoint, it was a hammering. It was a paddling, whatever you want to call it. Correct?
4: That's correct. Yeah, I had it at three point six for Arsenal to point nine nine for Crystal Palace. So um, a well deserved four one win. Um, you know, when they did score the first, um, you know, four goals, um, that was on you know like two and a half XG. So then they kind of you know padded some stats a little bit and could have you know put together two more goals probably. Um, but overall, yeah, a very solid win.
1: Having said that, after we scored the four goals, pretty even game from an XG standpoint following that?
4: Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, so it looks like Arsenal added a, another goal while Crystal Palace maybe, you know, 0.7. So, yeah, I mean, it was pretty close after that. But, I mean, Arsenal were in control.
1: So, all right, uh, just real quick, statistically, who are the leaders from the game? PPVA, things like that. Anyone uh, jump off the page for you uh, having a good game?
4: Uh, so, granted Jaka um, led the team in passing value added.
1: Huge fan uh, of his. Which,
4: yeah, so he actually had, a, I thought, a pretty nice game. Um, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Crystal Palace were really bad. Um, I'm not sure if that was that Arsenal played really well or they were bad or with the combination of the two. But, I mean, you know, if you looked at um, Crystal Palace beforehand, they'd actually played pretty well. And the stats actually seemed to, to like them. So I think that, you know, you could say that Arsenal played well. Um, so Xhaka was our, our leader on overall passing value added. Um, on a per fifty basis, um, it was actually Nacho Monreal, um, which you know he only played the what thirty three minutes or something like that. So I'm um, not you know, and he actually ended up with point three one in those thirty minutes, which is pretty crazy.
1: Presumably would have broken broken the the uh, model had he stayed on for exactly, the full ninety. You know,
4: <clears throat> I think he- I think the the big takeaway from this is Nacho Monreal is our most important player.
1: And I think uh, I think it's been pretty much canon for the last couple of seasons anyway. Um so then I guess you know it's it's interesting because I guess what we'll have to keep an eye out for with Shaka is if we stay with a midfield 3 and a back 4 uh and if he's used that way with someone who can sort of nominally be a deeper player than him um and take some of the responsibility off him like El Elneny did does that improve his output um We'll see. I mean, that's something to keep an eye out for. But the the news is really transfers and and no one wants to hear a podcast about football. They want to hear a podcast about transfers. So um, we sent uh, a wantaway squad player winger to United in uh, as a make weight for really a superstar playmaker named uh, uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan. And is that even his first name? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay, good. <laughs> Gotta get and that I right. think he even said uh, it
4: pretty right, yeah.
1: Nice. Uh, so g- given that uh, we, we know all the facts about what his name is, uh, statistically speaking, what kind of player are we getting? I mean, there's a lot of people, I think, putting all their hopes and dreams and, and excitement into the idea that Alexis leaving is going to be addition by subtraction, that Mkhitaryan's actually what we've needed. I mean, can you give us an idea of the kind of player we're getting statistically?
4: Yeah, so one of the things that uh, Alexis did that... Mikatarian isn't quite going to replicate is the number of shots taken. Um, that was one of the things with um, Alexis is that he um, would able was able to get his own shot, let alone you know having his teammates create for him. Um, so you know, Mikatarian's going to be about two and a half shots a game, kind of a person, um, which would be you know, I mean that's a it's a very solid output. But Alexis was a lot closer to four um, shots per game, so that's something that's not going to be quite as replicated. But I do believe Mkhitaryan will do really well in doing the the creative side. To me, he's been, or something that's been missing from Arsenal is a wide creator um, who can create for other teammates, which is something that I feel like that Arsenal haven't had since really Nasri um, left. And I think that Mkhitaryan could really fill that role nicely um, and really slot into anywhere in the front three and really be um, kind of similar to Ozil in that he can pop up in the space that's available um, and really play well. Um, It's it's hard to say um, on his most recent stats because he just never seemed to fit in at Manchester United. Let's talk about the player he was. Let's talk about the
1: player he was at Dortmund because I I think, look, if this is going to work, it's going to be because he is the player from Dortmund, not the player from Jose's United.
4: Exactly. Um, So one of the the things that really highlighted in his profile or stats profile is so he was a a wide dribbler um, who had good defensive numbers and very, very good creative numbers while still producing um, pretty good um, shot numbers, um, which, you know, is something that you is kind of just gravy for a wide player. So I had him at 2.6 shots per game um, at Dortmund. Um with an XG per game um just over two point two. Um but his overall um XG plus XA per game was over half a goal, um, which is really, really good. And I think if he could bring that to Arsenal, um everybody would be very happy with what he could do.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it may be a case of two to replace one in that you know, Mikatarian plus obameyang if obviously that would happen replaces the output we get from Sanchez and and maybe improves the way we play. I mean, is it fair to say, despite his age, that at least from a stopgap standpoint, Mkhitaryan might also represent a little bit of Ozil insurance?
4: Yeah, I think so. I think it also gives Arsenal a little bit more of the the leverage in negotiating with him um, so that Ozil's not so irreplaceable, saying, you know, we don't have a number 10 really to come in um, if you leave. Um, So Mkhitaryan could definitely fill that role. Um, but I think he also fits well um, with Ozil. So, me, it's not like you can't. You have to pick one. So, that's actually a nice thing too.
1: I mean, his creative numbers can't possibly be close to Ozil, but do, do they suggest a player who could do something similar?
4: Yeah. So, um, Ozil creates more key passes per game, um, plays more through balls, um, and creates um, slightly more big chances per game. Um, but I mean, you could almost say that with anybody in in europe and ozil would would look better but so yeah he he comes a lot closer to producing um at a creative level as what other you know so compared to others
1: curious you know i remember you made the list of sort of the players that could replace alexis and the players that could replace ozil based on uh, multiple statistical categories we did that in a previous podcast um and Mkhitaryan obviously wasn't on the list, but he's been struggling at United. If we were to go back to his Dortmund numbers, would he have made the list for Alexis or Ozil as one of those possible replacements?
4: Um, I think after his um, his Player of the Year season, his 2015-2016 season before he moved to um, United, um, he would have definitely been on the list. Um, his overall, his first couple years um, in Dortmund with Klopp didn't quite mesh, um, where he produced quite as much as he did in his final year with Tuchel. Um, so I think if you'd looked after that season, he would have, um, probably, I'm not a hundred percent sure if he would have made it on the, the Alexis replacement, but it would have been pretty close because his shot numbers were, um, really good that season and his creative numbers for all three seasons, um, were very strong. So I think he would have been a, a very solid Ozil replacement and, you know, Arsenal were, uh, rumored to be in on him, um, before he went to United. So I think, you know, there, this isn't a move where it's kind of a, we'll just take him whatever I think there is kind of a plan that the Arsenal have liked him and could see a need for him in the squad so I think it's a a good move overall
1: yeah and um let's not forget as he said uh when he arrived this is the club he supported as a boy uh pulling the Robbie Keane maneuver to endearing yourself to the fan base I have a feeling Scott that the Tuchel pronunciation may go on the list of, of pronunciations that your fans enjoy um so thank you for adding that. Um, let's do this. Let's leave it there. We're trying to get this podcast out, you know, before there's another game to do a podcast on. So Scott's on Twitter. O underscore that underscore crab. Scott, uh, you prepared with your Obama Yang stats for the next podcast.
4: I'm I'm ready. I can't uh, wait. You know, I gotta, I gotta, you know, practice how I'm gonna, you know, make a mispronunciation on that one to stay on brand.
1: Oh, yeah, I think you'll nail it. I have good feelings for you. Um, Scott stuff is on uh, crabstats.blogspot.com. You can also find him on the Short Fuse, where he does some great work. He's also doing videos on Twitter now that are awesome. The top five and bottom five XG chances that were converted each weekend in the Premier League, which is really uh, an interesting way to visually see how XG works. Because, like, for the top five, for example. You'll see these goals that were scored, and you'll see what the XG of those chances were. And same with the bottom five. And it helps you see the benefits and the limitations of the XG model. I think it's interesting. So, Scott, thank you for doing those. Those are great.
4: Awesome. Thank you.
1: All right. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.
0: Bye.
1: Okay, so that should give you a uh, reason to be excited for uh, Mkhitaryan's arrival, hopefully, anyway. And um, with Aubameyang coming in, hopefully we'll get a chance to hear from Scott about him as well on the next podcast after we uh, finish eliminating Chelsea from the was it Carabao Cup, I guess. In any event, there was some football played at the weekend. We won 4-1, uh, which was a welcome change. We were 4-0 up after about nine seconds, which was also very nice because it meant that I didn't have to shit myself as they uh, valiantly fought their way back. <laughs> So let's um, let's do this. Let's talk about the football. And first things first, Paul, I mean, just really, really quickly, back to a back four, sort of back to our roots, Nacho Monreal in it fullback, and boy, oh, boy, did it make a difference right from the beginning.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I think those, I mean, a couple of goals offset pieces too. So I think you can tell something if you go back, and look at Monreal on those two corners. I mean, talk about, about a guy who was on it. I mean, he was charged up. And then you match that with kashelny's performance. Um, when I did my, my proverbial second look, I spent a lot of time watching kashelny And he was peak, absolutely peak. He was electric. Uh, and and let, inclu- let's give credit to yeah. Mustafi
1: just real quick, because if he doesn't have yeah, that yeah. glancing header in the second minute or whatever... We're yep. probably down one nil before we even know what hit us. So, you know, uh, 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 for a guy uh, we kicked around uh, a lot, he deserves a little credit there too.
2: Yeah, and as you said, it was the first minute or so. So those, three, to me, those three guys, and of course Hector, but those three guys came out charged up to make a point. What point they were making? Who the fuck cares? But you know, they were on. With, they were on with the mission. They were on it from the get go, and they carried it for the full ninety minutes. While well, Montreal didn't. Um, and I think that was part of setting the tone for this game because we never let it slip. The pressure was there. Uh, Monreal's a key player in our build-up play anyway. Uh, kashelny's distribution was excellent dur- the, during this game. I've kind of maybe questioned it from time to time, but I thought his distribution from the back was really, really good. Um, they were all just on it. And then you look at that midfield three, uh, as somebody mentioned along the way, and... Um, it could be a format that allows us to play uh, Wiltshire and Ramsey or any other combination, G- given that everybody's decided there's some kind of a ten or an eight and certainly not a six or a four, um, you're you're looking at the fact that we're we're gonna have quite a few midfield players. Uh, who need a format that works for them. I'm not sure we necessarily have our DM we really need, but Nenny did a really good job. His distribution was a, a lot more kind of probing and aggressive in this game.
1: When Shaka um, thrived in this game, do you do you think it was yeah. just a relief for him not to have all that responsibility that he has in the two? I,
2: I guess so, and I guess he has a point. Uh, he must know something about his own game when he says he's really a false 10. Um, They're and all false 10s, Paul. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> And, you know, you can put Wilshire and Chaka symmetrically on the pitch when the whistle goes at the start, but their abilities and the game determine where they really play the ball. And actually, they were pretty symmetric throughout the whole game. So he can play. You know, he can give as good as he got versus Wilshere on the edge of the box uh, and linking with Elneny to provide a screen. So I thought that was very, extremely encouraging. I mean, we just blew Palace, a very good Palace away, as as everybody says. They've been in red-hot
1: form. I mean, I don't think they played well, and I thought the extent to which they dropped off us and gave us space was suicidal, but you can't argue with their form, and we, we, we put them to the sword really quickly. I mean... Yeah. Two-set-piece goals don't hurt. Um, as far as Monreal, though, I mean, I, I said on Twitter that he's an underrated player, and it, it did hashtag numbers, but to be fair, maybe he's not underrated. Maybe he's underrated by the wider media, but Arsenal fans maybe do rate him appropriately. But, I mean, is this a reminder that maybe we forgot that he's he's just a really, really important part of this squad? Paul. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Finish up. Yeah. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to box <laughs> no, box he, he, Clive he, he, out here so he can do the Awobi bit.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, the
1: the uh, the only concern. The
2: you know we can't forget there was a period where we maybe had some questions over Manreal, but it was very much he was the left the left back, and he was the guy who was getting targeted because you don't target uh, Bellerin for pace. Now they're you know give him a bit of extra cover. Uh, up the wing or inside of him but but that was that's really been the only knock against him as a player I mean he's just his ability to support play you know his ability to flick an orange into a refrigerator uh, and to trade as good as he gets with Santi I mean he's just a superb player he's so up for it he was so on it um he's kind of hitting the Santee kind of late career glow in terms of the respect he's getting within the club. Uh, Santee never got the credit outside of the club until very, very late. Maybe that'll come to Monreal, but who gives a fuck? Um, He's a superb player who supports our play distribution, ever so clever. And whoever's in midfield will always appreciate having Monreal to dink the ball back to to play out of trouble and up the wing. Yeah, I mean, mean, when you consider... Super intelligent.
1: Yeah, when you consider that we have had, what, Gail Clichy over the... Since Ashley Cole, you know, we've had Gail Clichy, we've had Andre Santos, we've had Armand Traore briefly, we've had uh, Kieran Gibbs, we've had Oxlade-Chamberlain, we've had Kolasinac and Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and the fact is Nacho Monreal has been consistently reliable and at times sensational in that position, and it's a position that we, you know... We haven't always been able to say that about the players who have been there. And while I think, you know, he can get targeted, there are so many really good dribbly, pacey wingers in football right now. I think being fullback is a really thankless job because you're going to get roasted and you're going to be put on a highlight reel. It's like, it's like being in the NBA if you're a center or something. You're going to get dunked on every once in a while, and it just sucks, you know. Um, can, can I throw in the curveball of the pod,
2: which is, I've taught this a few times, would Montreal not make a superb DM?
1: Is there no pastime for Arsenal fans that fills up more men- mind share, more mental hours than could X player become the DM that we just should fucking buy? I <laughs> mean, for God's sakes, should Vermalin be a DM? Could Could Maitland-Niles be a DM? Could Could Nacho Monreal be a DM? Oxley chamberlain could be a DM. I don't know. Let's just buy one. Let's
3: try. What, what Monreal needs to do? Don't.
1: Don't
3: don't take got, the bait. Don't I take the bait, Fucking hell! I was going to ask you about a Wobi. Isn't that enough? I'll i get to that in a second. Oh, what monreal used minutes. to do? What Montreal used to do? Basically, he used to get run because he wasn't tight enough. He used to stand off and let see what people did, and he'd he'd react to their movements. Then he got run. He had his worst period when the Wobi was left because he didn't have Sanchez in front to attract two, three players, and he got roasted. Moved inside, came back out. What he does now? He's all front foot. He is so tight, so aggressive, and he's now playing the game in areas that he wants to play. He's running forward, and when they play it into his wingers' feet, he nicks it, takes it off him, tears through him. Uh, he's, a, he's a very wise footballer. Just just learned how to play in England. I think he's absolutely superb.
1: Okay, so then since we're on the topic, uh, sigh, um, <laughs> when he comes off, it's Maitland-Niles that comes in at left back, not yeah. Kolasinac. What's what's happening with our uh, free transfer from the Bundesliga? I mean, is this is this is there something here? There's something here, isn't it? Well,
3: there? <laughs> there could be. Right? I've got, I'll give you a couple of options, right? So. I've seen him live a few times. And when I watch him, he he runs out of energy in the second half. He runs out of energy. He can't be intense defensively. He can't do repeat sprints to the
1: ball. You try carrying that body
3: around. (laughs) Yeah, he struggles a little bit. Again, the English league is not easy to adapt to. I think Lacazette's struggling as well. It doesn't mean he's a bad player. He's just finding it tough, right? It's repeat sprints, repeat sprints. You get a body on you. You don't get no fouls. Right, so and and Conatinek looks great for about sixty, seventy minutes. In tough games, he makes mistakes on the back post. He doesn't box out, he doesn't track people. Some of his defensive areas are quite quite elementary. They they're they're quite basic. So he's a front foot player that wants to go forward. Going forward is like he's running downhill, running backwards is like he's running uphill. And that's just the way he looks. do I look further into it? Well, we bought him as a wing back, per se, that could play maybe set a half in the three. He has. I don't know how often he's played in a four at left back, but we don't seem to fancy him that way. Uh, I think Palace with Zaha, maybe Benger brought on, Maitland the Niles for the speed. I would like to think that Benger can recognise we need a left foot on that left-hand side. So let's see. I don't want to say we're parking him Elliot and we're parking him to sell, but I'd rather say that he's had some injuries that we played him through. We took our time bringing him back and he's still coming back. I think that's where I am right now and then hopefully with a bit more time he gets back to his levels of fitness and we've played people for injuries in the past and we've lost them for weeks, stroke months so I'm okay with it as we've got a a pretty good standing in Maitland Niles and we've got a very good player in Montreal. So I'm going to stay that side of yep. conspiracy theory. Well, okay,
1: cool. congratulations. You've earned yourself more microphone time by jumping in on a topic I didn't want you to include yourself in on. So now you can talk about a Wobi because I know it's a dear topic to. you. <laughs> no, um, no no hang look. on hang on hang on. Is it is it just as simple as he's obviously better from the left. I mean, look, I don't think he was a 10 out of 10 in this game. No one was after yeah. halftime, and we're not even going to come on to the second half. I think it's worthless to analyze a game at this point in the season when we have another big game midweek and we were up 4-0 at halftime. But is it as simple as playing him on the left? Is it, is it really that simple?
3: I think that helps him. Muscle memory-wise, it helps. His best period has always come on that left-hand side. He can see the pitch when he receives it. He's receiving it on his back foot and he's driving inside. He can get shots off. He can see the pitch on his strong foot. He hasn't got a check and it it maybe makes him less hesitant on the ball. That's one side of things. But I have to say, I've been really impressed with his work rate. We've all criticised him for his lack of endurance. He doesn't last games. But I I think he's had a wake-up call uh, I know people that know his family and they've said that he was devastated by the the things that came out. It's not a true reflection of him. And I think he's recognised what he has at Arsenal and I think he has said, I don't want to lose this. And since that moment, I, his work rate is huge and and fans, that's, that's all we want to see. We don't want to see people walking about. We don't want to see people walk about like they've made it when they haven't really done anything yet. And he's working incredibly hard maximum levels and sprinting power he's shooting more instantly he still leans back but he's he's making quicker decisions he's taking control of his game control of the decision process he's not dancing around the ball as much he just looks really urgent and like he cares and that's a great great thing he's reacting to adversity and in football that's going to happen so I'm, I'm really i'm really. Pleased, I always say what I see, right? Mm-hmm. When I thought he was, when I thought he was running around in the freezing cold, of his sleeves down, not doing any running, not doing any work, not using the ball quickly enough, slowing us down, not working back, supporting his fullback. I'm going to say something, but you can't deny he stepped up his game. He's it's clicked, and let's hope it, it continues. And right now, maybe people were asking him to be punished when he got caught, and he did, and he played the next game.
1: Maybe he's repaying the manager's but faith now. Is that the maybe if he's paying the, the manager's pay?
3: Yeah. But, but or maybe the placements in in the form of Mkhitaryan. There you go. You've got somebody now to compete with. Let's see how much game time you can get, right? And the placement's coming, and his game time's going to be reduced. So um, yeah, so yeah, let's. That's again top level sport, elite sport. You mess up, there's a price to pay, right? So now he has to do the business, and Alex Iwobi motivated and wanting to keep his shirt. Is better for all of us.
1: Yeah. And And, and again, not a guy who should be starting every single game unquestioned, right? I mean, should be be worked in. This gives him a chance. Paul, final final word on a Willoughby.
2: Yeah. I I mean, not to beat up on Alexis, but uh, he appreciates A, that the left wing is left open for him, and B, I do think that was the one player that got a bollocking from Alexis on a regular basis that it impacted him. He seemed thoroughly energized, maybe for the reasons um, Clive is saying, but I do think he'll enjoy the players he's that are playing ahead of him and around him a little All bit more points. freely. Um, and so it'll be interesting. I mean, this is his chance now to push on. He's the English Mkhitaryan in some ways. So, yeah, he's got a battle royal ahead of him. Yeah. But it'll be great for him. So we'll, we'll see. It, yeah, maybe, again, yeah, you're right,
3: good. Paul. Maybe just intimidated. Maybe it just intimidated. Um, and he may not be the only one. And well, a few of them showed their colors, right?
1: I mean, I don't know that that's a good or bad thing. I mean, at the end of the day, ultimately, Alexis was playing the role that better suits Wobi, And I don't think anyone could have argued with that. Look, I think it is easy to jump to the conclusion that Alexis leaving was the linchpin. And, yeah, and this performance really easy. reflected that. Having said that, I think a few things to bear in mind. Um, We went to a back four, which I think at home against teams that are going to defend always suits us better. We played a midfield three, which we just are better suited to play. We put players in their natural positions more. I think there were a lot of factors here that allowed us to play.
2: And Alexis wasn't there.
1: Yeah, and that's the biggest one of all. Um, We're out of time, (laughs) but I think a quick word for uh, Ozil, who was brilliant. Jack Wilshire, who was brilliant. And the goal that Lacazette scored, that that one-touch Tippy-tappy, Wenger ball football, you know, those are the moments that we really live for. And under Arsene Wenger, that's what we think of as Arsenal football. It hasn't been the case. Uh, as much as we'd like, but it's a good thing. So, up next is a chance to knock Chelsea out of the um, Carabao Cup. Looks like no Murata and no Ses Fabregas for them. So, I look forward to Batashwai scoring his first double hat trick uh, for Chelsea. In any event, um, I don't know, whatever his name is. In any event, uh, we'll be back after that one to introduce Aubameyang and maybe talk a little bit of football. Paul's on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Thanks, pause. Ozil
2: was fucking magic. He
1: was. Uh, Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Uh, give us a five star review, please, please, please. And then write nasty things about Tim and Scott. Tim will be back after the next one. Uh, so uh, you'll have reason to tune in again, finally. And uh, so, yeah, we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Chelsea Nil.